0: Ludwig is a live streamer and a YouTuber with 3.5 million subscribers, and he has done the impossible. From being fired from three different jobs, moving out to California with absolutely nothing, to now having the world record of most subscribers in a month on Twitch, beating out Ninja, making over $1.4 million a month, it's safe to say that Ludwig is one of a kind. Well, in
1: this video, we get an exclusive inside look into Ludwig's business empire, where he will reveal how he did it and how much money he made along the way.
0: So if you're interested in content like this and want to see more like, it, make sure to subscribe because we post a brand new episode every single sunday so hit the button it's totally free and now with that said let's
2: begin podcasts over two years so far has made Five hundred fifty thousand dollars.
0: Uh, no, two hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars. And the podcast is, is with uh, Graham and Jack. No, no, no. You Jack, said, and Jack and Graham. We said agreed on Jack. Jack and Graham. We've always said Jack and Graham, haven't yeah. we? That's Graham maybe, and Jack.
1: You, I actually wanted Graham and Jack. You wanted Jack and Graham. It does so sound, sound better. Jack with Jack and and
2: yeah. Yeah, the short than the long. It's got to yeah. be short and long. Yeah. That's true. Well, anyway, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming, and on. we're you in your it set it today. By Graham the way, Graham Jacker, like Graham Cracker. We'll work on it. No, we don't need to work on it. We
1: planned on meeting at 1130 Mm. and we kind of mentioned it, but Graham and I were like, oh, we should go to a coffee shop first. We could plan out some questions, get everything straight. And we decide some random coffee shop. We show up there and right after we get our coffees, Graham's talking to a fan that like recognized him and I'm like wait a second there he is and you just walk straight to the coffee shop apparently you go all the time yeah that was just a, a wild coincidence you guys picked a great
0: happened. coffee shop
1: yeah it's good stuff yeah. it's good stuff I mean come yeah. on you yeah find a good I, ty- coffee place. I typed
0: in your area and I just typed in coffee and I saw the coffee places some of them didn't look good at all and there was a Starbucks I'm like I'm not going to Starbucks but I found a random place that looked so good with like really unique uh, drink options mm-hmm. and I tried it it is so good Now this is like a seven dollar coffee, but this is the best coffee I think I've had.
1: It was good, and you just strut in, man. And and the funny thing too is when you were there, there were probably fifteen or so people in there. Two of them recognized you. Yeah, is that like is that a common thing? Does that happen often to you? Yeah, yeah. What is that like?
2: I get recognized a good bit. Uh, I mean, it's generally like everyone's pretty nice. The thing that they usually want is a picture. You know, that's like the like the end of the engagement. It's Mm. like initially, it's like. You seem familiar. Oh, I know who you are now. Yeah. Confirm by asking, <laughs> then greeting, mm-hmm. and then end it by asking for a picture so that you can say you have done
0: this, move on with your day. And I think that's generally how yeah. every interaction goes. I always have the encounter where I'm just kind of like sitting somewhere and I'll look around and someone kind of like looks. You make eye contact for a split second. And then I'm like, let me look back. And they're always like this.
1: Oh, they're like comparing things. Yeah, yeah, like on that,
0: their phone. And, then, and then we lock contact. You're like, <laughs> like that, always. Yeah. But it's always they have to confirm on the phone to be like... Because yeah. they don't want to be it wrong. A, the embarrassment yeah. of being
2: wrong outweighs the pleasure of being yeah. right. But you know what I do? Is I yeah. never look at them. Because like, you can tell through your peripherals if they're looking at you. Oh, yeah. I I make them do the work of confirming and coming up to me. I'll never do the look because that's like an invitation to yeah. come in. And they need to have that bravery on their own. And
1: you mentioned, yeah. I was watching a video when I was researching you before this, that you used to have a password where people would have to say this in order to prove to you that they're, like, true fans, right?
2: Yeah, that's something PewDiePie did. I had a silly one. It was like, you are GigaChad, super ripped, awesome hot dude, something like that. And they had to tell me that. And only one guy ever gave me the password. And the problem is when people meet, I don't know if you experience the same thing, when people meet me, uh, they're very nervous, unnecessarily nervous, I would say, but I think it's just Very unexpected Shock Met with like Oh I have not planned For this interaction And so they're always Very nervous And so when this guy Was telling me Like my passcode mm-hmm. He's like You're like Super tall and hot and, and I was like I was like Okay this is weird <laughs> Wait, he tried He did the thing <laughs> Wow and, and I was like Did you just like, forget That you had told people this No I, I remember I told people But I, in my head When they would tell me They would tell me In a way that was like We had known each other For years But obviously No one plans to meet me Because they don't know where I'm at. And so when it actually happens, it came out a lot weirder than I thought it would. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, all right, let's just cut that. Just come up to me. We'll grab the picture. It's (laughs) all good. Yeah, Yeah, you know what's kind of surprising?
1: You're actually six feet tall. yeah, you actually are. And here I'm not saying that I was initially kind of like, you know, questioning people round <laughs> up. I
0: round up to six feet. A lot, yeah, so. <laughs> six five. yeah, a lot
1: of people, <laughs> they say they're six feet, but they're like five nine, five ten. Right. But you when I saw you, you're actually as tall as I kind of thought you would be. Yeah. Which is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's a big thing for streamers, especially because you have no idea how tall streamers are or how big streamers are because you always see them behind the camera. And the only thing you have for reference is what's around them in that frame. And so every single streamer deals with a joke of being short. And I probably wrote that joke harder than most. So everybody thinks I'm short or comes in at least like thinking that maybe I'm not as tall as I say I am. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm tall as hell. I got a truck because my dream car. It's a mini truck. It's called like a K truck. It's a Subaru Sambar, 1997. It's imported from Japan.
0: Oh my god, yeah. dude! Yeah, he had it on front jack. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't, didn't see, see that. that. Yeah, you yeah. walked
2: right by this guy.
0: Yeah, I noticed it. I was trying not to hit Holy it with my suitcase. Crap. How much was that? It was 5500,
2: and then it costs about another 1800 to import. So 7,300 total. That's safe to drive. Like I'd imagine. There's no, is there an airbag in that thing? Yeah, there's an airbag. There yeah. Okay, it's, the things that make it a little more dangerous is that it's a right side car because it's an import from Japan. Yeah. So I'm driving on the right, which can be a little weird, and then it's also like uh like a left handed you know manual transmission, which can be a bit weird. Left
1: handed manual?
2: Yeah, but I but I drove it for the first time from Long Beach um and it felt fine like i you know it doesn't go the quickest it goes about 70 uh but like i felt decently safe on it i, I wasn't too worried i mean i'm sure if i hit something it's is not it is not a tesla safety rating shit's a fucking yeah. tank hits a wall
0: bang but you know if i don't do that i should be fine sure- it, yeah. I, i've always i have been curious left-hand uh drive how difficult is that to learn versus right i don't even for me like i drive stick but I think I it's you know, easy. I think Left it's, it's hand, really?
2: Instantly. Because you yeah, do you're not yeah. gear shifting, especially in a car like this. I mean, it's not like a sports car where you're like, you know, having to go yeah, first, yeah, second, yeah. third, fourth, fifth. Like it's pretty slow and steady. Uh, and you just you just put it in the slot and, and you and you know when it's right. Like you do the same habits. Like do you wiggle a neutral? Yeah, uh, yeah I'll yeah, wiggle yeah. the, the yeah. gear shifter in neutral <laughs> just do, to make yeah. sure it's in there. Uh so it's the same vibe. Uh it's just the other hand.
1: And what's your inspiration behind all of these weird modes of transport that you have? Like the Vespa in yeah. this car. Like, why don't you just get like a you know, I feel like people in your situation would buy like a Lambo or buy something
2: flashy. No, you
0: know I, mean? I don't. I can't see you in a Lambo. Well, I can I, see. I can't necessarily. It. Uh, I can I'm see a Model
1: S plaid. A I could see that. I yeah. could see that.
2: So, well, I thought about getting like a Tesla for a, a, a bit, but I didn't get it because everybody has a Tesla, and and I think I enjoy a sense of originality, uh, and I hate sports cars. Like, I would never, I would never blow money on a sports car. I, I would never blow money on any like fashion brands. I don't like spending money there makes me feel like a, like I, I once rented a Porsche 911, like, uh, do you call it 911 or do you call it 911? <laughs> 911. <laughs> Nine yeah. Anytime
0: <laughs> someone says Porsche 911, I just yeah. kind of cringe yeah. a little bit. Is it like 911? A, uh, 911. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Porsche on 911. A, I got a Porsche. A Porsche. <laughs> Porsche
2: 911, never forget. Yeah. Uh, and it was lime green and I was driving it around like West Hollywood and I just felt like a piece of it driving by it, a, a bunch of people who are homeless on the streets and I'm in a Porsche at a stop sign. You know, I just, I I feel like it's too much of a flex. And then I also am way more stressed driving it because it, you know, I'm scared where I park it. Maybe someone nicks it. Maybe it gets broken into. Maybe it's because so, it's so low, I just hit a curb or something. And and now I just have a $7,300 car that I think looks dope that if it gets beat up, I don't really care. Yeah. But my plan for it is I think I'm going to put a- of money into it and make it an EV. whoa because i think Are you that'd sure be sick worse, mm-hmm.
1: or you just want the originality and i think it and it'd be so it. sick yeah because mm-hmm. i
2: think the car looks dope and so i want to paint it to match my vespa and then i
0: want to make it an ev and then it would probably be way better to drive yeah that was something i was not expecting we ran into you at a coffee shop yeah and, and fun, you're like yeah. oh yeah just follow me there and you're in a Vespa, yeah, and a cool looking one too. It's like some retro style something or other, right? Yeah, it's like a Chinese yeah. knockoff.
2: My girlfriend got me, but it's meant to look like the style of a classic '80s Vespa. Yeah, uh, and it's like a sick mint green color. I got it because I went to I went to Italy, uh, and I just I rented a, a Vespa in Rome. I just like asked the concierge, I was like, "Can you get me a Vespa?" And They just hooked me up for like three days, no license, no nothing, and I just rode it around, and it was so fun. And uh, and I've always had a problem where I'm like a AI bot with a small AOE field. And I will only engage with humans who I'm physically able to interact with in person. And I'm very bad at like messaging online. But the problem is I can only engage with those I can physically walk to or if I live with. Mm-hmm. And the Vespa is like unlocked my radius. Mm-hmm. Cause now I'm way more happy to hop on the Vespa and drive 10 miles than I was getting into a car. Which is weird cause it's very similar. But the Vespa is just, like, easier to get in, and I'm happier riding it. And I feel, like, annoyed if I have to
0: drive you 10 feel miles in Is car. safe driving the Vespa? Nah, it's a, yeah, it's pretty yeah. safe. I feel good. I don't know. I Man. feel like I
2: would
1: worry about the safety of a Vespa. And I've I've wanted a Vespa for a strong six years, but mm. I was never allowed to have one for my parents because it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So what I did to circumvent that was I bought a bike and threw a motor on it. Okay. And, of course, I mean, I totally destroyed that thing and it broke because i don't know what i'm doing right but it was probably a lot more dangerous than a vespa but i feel like i would just be worried about the safety i don't know
2: i think it depends where you're at like where, where i'm at it's it's not like downtown la yeah. and so riding the vespa around feels like pretty safe to me uh and and i think you get used to it after a while i mean it certainly is more dangerous than a car like just inherently but you don't feel that because every day when you drive you don't get injured and so after doing that 100 times you're like oh i am in a safe vehicle so no. I, think, I think your brain tricks you.
0: But first
1: off, we have to thank our sponsor, Henson Shaving. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a hairy dude. And
0: in order to look my age, I need to shave nearly every day. Which is why I am so happy that Henson Shaving reached out to sponsor this video. Henson is a family-run aerospace machine shop that has brought precision engineering to the razor business. Their razors have a precisely built handle that
1: securely holds the blade, which is very important in shaving since the firmer the grip on the blade and the shorter the extension, the safer and better the shave. They sent over some of their single blade precision razors and it was genuinely the smoothest shave i've ever had in my whole life
0: it's fully metal and uses standard dual edge blades that you could buy practically anywhere so no subscriptions no proprietary blades and no planned obsolescence so if you want to save some money over the course of a year you're only going to spend between three and five dollars on shaving compared to some of the other shaving companies that charge you an arm and a leg so So it's it's time time to to say no to subscriptions subscriptions and and yes to a razor that'll that'll last you a lifetime. lifetime (laughs) <laughs> <That was incredible. laughs>
1: so save money and get the best shave of your life when you visit hensonshaving.com slash iced coffee.
0: There you could pick the razor for you, and then you could use the code Iced Coffee to get two years of free blades complimentary.
1: Just make sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you visit H E N S O N S H A V I N G dot com slash iced coffee and use code Iced Coffee at checkout. Thank you so much, Henson, and, and
0: back, back to, to the, to the podcast. podcast. So, what do you do for fun besides Vespas and Cool cars. I ride my Vespa around. Outside of
2: that, uh, I, I love watching sunset. I'm a big sunset fiend. I thought you were about to say watch Selling Sunset, yeah, know, the Netflix the, show. Yeah. No. <laughs> the no. real estate show. I, I just literally go <laughs> at sunset hour, you yeah. know, and I'll either walk and do a little hike, or I'll just like stretch, uh, and I'll just watch it go down. And then I, I met a random Taiwanese dude, and so sometimes we catch up there because he also likes watching sunsets. And so we're buds. We hang out. You plan
1: that out or is it just by chance you it's guys meet up? It's literally
2: just two ships in the night crossing. Yeah. And I don't have any way to contact him because he's like a 55-year-old
0: Taiwanese man. It's cool, though. But if we do cross, we chat for like an hour. Yeah. You would not think about getting his number. If you chat for an hour, you would think this like, how do I contact you again? I think it's cooler this way. Really? Yeah. This cool. is like how you had to do it back in the day. What if he's just socially awkward? Like he wants you to reach out, but yeah. just doesn't know how to he's ask for it. For yeah. more time with you. It no. feels like it's been it's been so long, and he hasn't asked me. He probably isn't
2: interested. <laughs> it's about once every two weeks, so That's you know, common, maybe yeah. next time. Maybe I'll, we've hung out about four or five times. Maybe the next yeah. time I'll, I'll slide the number in.
1: What is it about watching the sunset? Is it just calming? Is it wh- what about it?
2: I think it's grounding. I think it's very easy to be in your own world, think about your own game, but it's really small. Every YouTube channel is small. Even Mr. Beast is small in the grand scheme of the world and how it's moving. And in 100 years, if you look back, is Mr. Beast someone that people talk about regularly? Probably not. And I think it's grounding to look at the giant sun that we spin around and it makes me feel good.
0: Why does it make you feel better? For me, I feel like that would make me feel insignificant and that everything I'm doing doesn't, doesn't matter. Nothing I do matters. Why am I doing anything? I think it helps
2: humble you and it helps make the things you do less about the ego and about being the biggest and the best. But it still matters that you help the lives of those around you because that changes like – all of society for years, and I think that's the most important thing you can do is uplift the people around you. And so, I think I think that's still an important thing. It makes me feel good, and I have less of ego importance put into I have hit three and a half million subscribers. Wow, because uh, that doesn't matter.
1: Let's talk yeah. a little bit more. I know you've talked about this a lot, but feel like we kind of have to visit it since this is a finance and business oriented podcast, mm. the YouTube acquisition type thing. Right? What was that process like? to get acquired by YouTube from Twitch. I know that you kind of had a relationship with Twitch since you I mean, you've been on there for an extremely long time. Was that hard to disband from Twitch to go to YouTube? And what was your reasoning to switch from Twitch to YouTube?
2: Yeah, I think the dream for every creator is to eventually be a big enough creator that you can leverage that and then fish a deal from all the major players, which now is Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and then try to get the best one for your livelihood. Uh, And for me, I was like, okay, I've reached a stat is a big enough creator that I can try to get one of these deals after my original partner contract ended. Uh, so let's do it. And the goal was to just get a deal from Facebook and YouTube so I could leverage it for a better Twitch deal. That was what I was thinking going in because I was like, I'm a Twitch streamer through and through. I'm not leaving Twitch. Why would I do that? Uh, and and so we started, uh, and you know, we had like a like a verbal Facebook offer and and a YouTube offer. But when I was actually in the negotiations, I started to shift how I was thinking about it. Um, because the, the Twitch people were just a lot, they weren't like the people who I specifically talked to were very nice, but they were a lot less um, caring about like what I was trying to do and, and the goals I had and trying to accomplish that. And it was much more, I am a gear in the system that makes Twitch run. They need me to stream this amount of hours, which gives them this much money. And they give me this much of a cut of that amount of money. And then, okay, good job. Tap me on the ass, get the next person in line. And so you're very replaceable on Twitch, which I don't think they're wrong to think that because throughout the whole mixer thing, it turns out that people are very replaceable. Twitch is still has the biggest market share, you know, but when you f- get, when you, when you feel like that, it feels a lot worse. And YouTube, I mean, they make you feel like you're, you're having drinks with your buds at the table. Uh, and so talking with them more and more, I started to feel better about it, but I was still very much leaning Twitch up until the very end. I don't know if, uh, you know, like the whole coin flip story. I like that story a lot. Yeah. Can you, yeah. Can you explain, explain this? this? Yeah. So, like, I, I was, even though I had a much better deal from YouTube, it was, it was not f- like double the amount of money, but it was pretty close. Like, it was, it was pretty close to double the amount of money Twitch offered. I was still leaning towards Twitch. Uh, and I went into a call with the YouTube guys, and, you know, we had shared a lot of time. We'd g- gone on lunches, all that good stuff. And I was like, hey, you know, it's nothing you guys did wrong. You guys, Fought really hard, and I think you guys did really well. And I love what you're doing with YouTube, but I'm going with Twitch. And they were like, and they hit me with a last-second offer that was that was just like a 20% bump. And I was like, wow, that's it, like crazy. So I thought long and hard, and the original reason that I told them I wasn't going with them, and I and I didn't let them know right there, is that I had flipped a coin, and heads was Twitch, tails was YouTube, uh, and it had gone with heads. Because I just I couldn't make the decision, and a, a lot of the times in my life I like to leave it to chance, and and somehow that ended up as an insane negotiating tactic of me walking, wow. and they were like, nah, stay, uh, and so then I thought I'd do the same thing to Twitch, which is like, hey, let's hop in the call. I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna leave, and then they were just like, have fun, and you know they have the next creator in line they have to worry about, which yeah. again, no flame to them. That's
0: how their business runs. I like the coin flip thing. Jack knows I'm. Yeah.
2: We
1: do a I, lot.
0: Yeah, I believe that whatever's meant to be is going to happen. So I like to leave it up to fate. You call it chance. I just say, you know, then it's destined to happen. It's out of my control. And this was meant to go in this direction. So I flip coins or I flip my phone. You flip your phone. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I'm like, you know, if it lands at this, it's heads and then this is tails. And I'll flip my phone half the time. That makes the decision for me. Yeah. And it's never led me astray. And for you, even when you flip the coin, I mean, that coin flip ended up making you so much more and getting you to where you are today. If it wasn't for that coin flip... Or if it just had landed on YouTube, you would have just done it anyway and uh, left some extra money on the table. Yeah, if it was just YouTube, I would have just had a worse deal overall, which is funny to think about.
2: Yeah, I'm not as deterministic and destiny-focused, but I know that any path you take in life, it will work out because it just has to. The world keeps spinning. Your life keeps moving on. Everything has to work out. There's no other choice. Um, And so it's like whatever decision you make, you just have to be happy with it. And uh, and I think that's why I was okay with the flip. Do you think that Twitch's
1: unwillingness to fight for their creators is going to come back and bite them in the butt at some point in the future? And are you bullish on Twitch as a platform for the you know to have longevity, or do you think YouTube's going to dominate? Because I have friends that stream as well, like more casually, but they say that it seems like Twitch is like kind of falling apart, and it's mostly internal stuff that mm-hmm. that's causing that.
2: Yeah, I think the not paying for creators is honestly a decent decision that they've made internally to try to become profitable. I think what's going to screw them over, and to be clear, I think they're going to have market share for the next five years, but I think five years from now, they're going to be a bit screwed because of every single decision they've made. I don't think any product they have released has really helped them grow, and they really lucked out by doubling in size because of COVID. Without that, I think they'd be in a really bad spot. I think COVID saved their- because every product they make is extracting value out of the people that already watch them rather than growing. And YouTube already dwarfs them in terms of people on the platform. So it's like just a matter of time, I think, for YouTube to catch up in terms of the basic products that people expect watching a live stream, you know, like a like a better functioning chat, a culture of emotes, um, and all that stuff. YouTube will get that. They're slow because they're about a company. And then it'll be a lot harder And I think what also might screw them over is I I know there's an internal pressure to become profitable because they're just tanking money. And I feel like they might eventually remove Twitch Prime, which is a huge driver in revenue for creators. Uh, So I think if that day comes, that's that's going to be the turning point.
1: It seems like Twitch makes the creator compete with them as a platform rather than really boosting them up. Because I know they also have that, like their TOS as far as banning goes is pretty... Like, it's not very stable. And I know people have been banned for, like, really simple things Mm -hmm. and kind of honest mistakes, and then other people haven't been banned or, you know, temporary short bans for some
0: crazy... Who was the one that, uh, you know, had... Okay. Was doing stuff. Yeah, they were doing doing stuff on the live stream. you want to say what Are you that was? familiar with that doing stuff. What doing stuff like yeah. you know, like uh... oh, the one who was getting railed doggy style. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I, I didn't oh, want to say I'm that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Text Grammy, you just got to be. Yeah, uh, Gigi, I'm sorry, I hey, heard that. Hey, It's okay, yeah. Susan. <laughs> you should have seen it, bro. But yeah, but yeah. So what? That was a suspension, and then brought right back. But other people suspension. Yeah, right. She
1: was having actual intercourse. Yeah. Yes. Explain
0: to your grandma,
2: so she understands. No, I think it. I'm
1: intercourse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Grandma, you know it, doggy. You've been there. We all been all right, there. I'll cut a out, but. uh no, I like Leave I that think in. PR-wise, Twitch has just had a detrimental past year and a half. Part of it is all the products they release, and then part of it is just a failure to adhere to like a terms of service that people like generally align with their morals. Uh and so, like, yeah, someone had sex on stream and they were banned for seven days and they were back. Uh, and then just yesterday, somebody got banned for 30 days, uh, a pretty well liked creator, because someone in chat was like, like, Roasting them, being mean to them. And then they said, I'm going to fight you at TwitchCon. This is not a joke. As a joke, which, you know, because yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. they're not well, going to go to TwitchCon. Well, that's a joke. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Gonna- but they said that and then they gave them a 30-day ban. Wow. Which, look, I'm not against banning someone for threatening physical harm to somebody else, even if it's an anonymous stranger online. But 30 days in uh, rel- uh, relative uh, to a seven-day ban for actually having sex mm-hmm. seems weird. To most people. Uh, and and I think that problem always comes up. Uh, and it's just a PR thing. Because like, look, the same problem exists in the NFL. Like the NFL has varying bans of, of weeks to months. And it none of it lines up. Like people get banned for smoking weed for two months. And then there was like, um, what's his name? Who, who assaulted like 30 women in m- massage parlors. Have you heard of this? I haven't. He's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. And he was originally just suspended with pay for like four weeks for assaulting about 30 women at massage parlors and coercing them. Just, no, it was just, uh, I think it was like a civil case and settled out. Uh, but it was just like he had coerced them into doing sexual favors after asking them for just massages. Uh, and it's like, he got suspended less long than people smoke weed, but the NFL is very easily able with their PR team to just shove that aside, sure. and then Twitch doesn't. You know, uh, Twitch is is held accountable and then probably overly roasted for the bad decisions they
0: make, uh, and they've never been able to get behind that. Yikes! I think another issue with Twitch is discoverability, mm. and it seems as though that the people on the top stay at the top because they're the ones that get pushed, versus everyone else. The, the algorithm's not there to find new creators who are up and coming unless you already know of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, this is a real quote from the CEO. He had said this in a private meeting and I, I, I had found out about this. He said, the best way to grow on Twitch is to grow on another platform and then bring the audience over to Twitch, which is just a failure of the platform. And I discovered recently that I don't know how to stream on YouTube. I just figured it out this week. Because the entire time for the first eight months, I'd been streaming as if I was on Twitch. And the way that you stream on Twitch is you just have the most viewers in a certain game category and then you stay live for a really long time because you'll build up uh, a lot of dead viewers, people who just have you on their second monitor. Mm -hmm. They leave to work, they go to bed, whatever. And then you'll stay higher in the category and then people always click whatever's at the top of of their favorite category, whether it's just chatting, uh, a video game like League of Legends or Valorant or whatever it is. And you just grow and grow and grow doesn't work like that on YouTube or TikTok. There's no categories. You don't go to a game you like and then watch who's playing that game. Mm. You are fed the stream based off what the algorithm thinks you will like. And so it's much more important for uh, to create um, a stream that has really good watch time and has a sense of urgency that makes people stick around because the better the watch time, the more people will, will stay and the more it'll get recommended, which doesn't exist on Twitch. And I just figured it out, that out this week because uh, I started doing streams that are like, I have one hour to beat this game uh, and I play like Minecraft mm-hmm. and I have a timer on screen and the closer I get to the hour, the more the viewership goes up uh, and I and I ended up with streams that would get like 30,000, 40,000 viewers um, because it just gets pushed and pushed and pushed because people will stick around waiting for it to reach an hour as opposed to Twitch. You're better off streaming 20 hours straight like XQC
0: or Trainwrecks do. Yeah, Lily Pichu is doing that now. I see her video. Yeah, she'll be streaming for like 12 hours straight. Yeah, that's not good for YouTube. nuts. But I have to also say, so I had a channel, well, we had a channel, it's called Millennial Money, where we went live, and we did that for about a year and a half. And then we talked to someone who is a rep at YouTube who said that if you just film this ahead of time and post it as a video, it's going to do better than a live. And we did. And instantaneously, from going from live to just pre-recording something like this and posting it, our views doubled. Yeah. So I think there's something there that YouTube isn't quite pushing live streams. And for some reason, people don't seem as willing to click on a live stream that was like a day old because it's like, oh, it's not live anymore versus if it's just pre-recorded. Definitely um, not. How do you approach that? Do you have to go live or is this something where you could just film something? I guess it's less fun for, for your audience because they're accustomed to that.
2: Yeah. So so my original strategy, which was a new strategy when I was streaming on Twitch, is every stream would have segments that would become YouTube videos. I'm not just streaming for the sake of being live and playing a game. I have a specific thing, like I'm going to give my credit card to stream to buy anything they want on Amazon for a couple hours. That'll turn into a YouTube video. And that worked when I was on Twitch because there are people who like watching live streams and there are people who like watching YouTube videos. It's separate. When I went to YouTube, I recognized pretty quickly that the watch time that that I would get from viewers was way lower. Like they would stick around for like seven, 10 minutes. Then they'd leave because I'm competing with other videos. Like in the sidebar, there's like a juicy Veritasium yeah. video that's going to make you feel like a genius for 10 <laughs> minutes. Or it's my dumbass playing Mario, you know? So it's like the competition is way, way fiercer. And so it's important that for a good YouTube video, you need like like an intro. You need a specific goal and you need stakes. Right. Those are all important things to YouTube video. And then the thing that you need for a live stream is a sense of urgency, because the thing that a live stream has as an advantage, you can think of it when you think of like a like a professional sports game, like a basketball game is the ability to be there for the moment. Say I was here. And you lose that when you watch the video. That's why, you know, like highlights are way less popular than watching the game itself. Like Mm -hmm. that's the cultural moment. So you need a sense of urgency in a live stream that make it feel like it was worth the time to watch in a moment that makes it that that you can say you were there for. How do you come up with these ideas? Like what to do on
0: stream? So like the the idea of like the urgency or like like that concept or like specifically what I'm doing, specifically what you're doing, because it seems like you have multiple segments. Sometimes you'll you'll do one thing over the other? How how do you pick so frequently what you think will do well? I spend a couple
2: hours every day and I'll just watch streamers. Like the way I watch streams is like I click on Summit 1G. I watch him for three minutes. Then I click on Lyric. Maybe he's doing something cool. He's playing a cool new game. Watch him for a few more minutes. Should I try that game? Eh, maybe not. It's a little more niche. He's a little different of a creator. All right, what's Miskiff doing? What's XQC doing? And I click on every creator who I think does things well and who might push the meta of what is being streamed and what is being consumed, and see what maybe I could try doing. Uh, and if I don't find inspiration there, then maybe I look at YouTube videos or maybe what I was doing six months ago, because you know what I was doing six months ago probably will work now if I just spin it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I try to think that day of what I'll do, uh, and it's pretty much on an everyday cycle. Like I, I know what I am doing, uh, like at 4 p.m. at 2 p.m. that same day. And I don't know, like, any any time before that. What if you have no idea? If I have zero idea, sometimes I just won't go live at all. Like I will, like that period of time that I'm saying is twelve to two p.m. might go from twelve to five p.m. or six p.m. Uh, and it can feel sometimes like I'm not even working because I'm just actually just watching streams and, and just trying to think of things. Maybe I just get some air, ride my Vespa, go somewhere, and, and try to come back. And I will either make a decision to just not do anything, and then maybe I'll make a mogul mail. I'll do an offline recording for something else. I'll work somewhere else. Uh, or I'll just go live, and I'll just be like, hey, I got nothing to do today. Maybe we can just like watch this video, play this random game, and just like at least still give a stream to the people who look forward to streams as content for their day. How do you find inspiration and how do you
1: stay productive? Like, wouldn't it be easy to get distracted if you're just watching people's streams and then maybe extending that three minute period to a
2: 30 minute period? Oh yeah, dude. Like I pretend that I'm working when I'm watching TikToks cause it's like, oh, I'll like the TikToks and watch them later on stream. But it's like, no, I'm, like, sometimes I'm just watching TikToks for 90 minutes. I always have the goal of of trying to accomplish something that day. So I feel accomplished if I do a stream or if I record a video offline or if I'm working on, on, uh, something business related in a profound way. So as long as I'm able to accomplish one of those and I, and I know the deadline is when the day is over, um, I'll still feel like I've done something, uh, in, in the greatest way that I'm, able to at least get something out is just the good old yoink and twist. So like if if I'm really out of options, like I can just take something I've done and twist it up a little bit. And and it usually will do well if it did well in the past. Sure. Tell us about this credit card spending on Amazon. How does that work? That was an idea I had because Soda Poppin' used to do this concept where random people would link him items and he would just buy them. And I was like, that's cool. But what if I had like a time limit? And I allowed them to buy anything they wanted and they would vote on whether they buy it or not with an item limit, you know? So it's like, you guys can only buy 10 items. You have an hour to do it. I will, I will purchase everything. You link me things and then I'll just click on them and then you vote yes or no. And it's interesting to see like, like some people will buy really expensive things. Some people will try to buy like a hundred gallon bottle of lube or something (laughs) just because they think it's funny. And, uh. And so I've done that series probably like six or seven times in slightly different ways. How do they vote on it? Do you just see like yes or no's in the chat? Yeah, just run a poll. I run a poll. I see. Simple poll, yes or no's, 51%. I get it, 51% no's, I don't get it.
1: What's the weirdest thing that you think you've bought from that?
2: Yeah, I bought insane. I bought a $16,000 statue of Jackie Chan. What'd you do with it? It's just in my stream room. He's just there. He terrifies people when they walk in because no one expects. Why is like, it
0: sixteen thousand dollars?
2: It's like a, a Madame Tussauds level like no wax figure. Like it looks very accurate and it feels a bit like skin. Like it's feels rubbery. Like Chan. It's like silicone. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like Jackie Chan. <laughs> How
1: bummed were you when they picked a sixteen thousand dollar like item that has no utility?
2: Yeah, I I think I think it's funny. Like I. I don't, cool I don't like spending money again, like on fancy cars or fancy clothes, but I don't care how much I will spend on, on videos and content. I, Cause it feels like it's productive in a way. Mm-hmm. Is there ever
0: a, a desire to return it the next day? Let's like get it and then think, ah, let me let me refund this. <laughs> let me send it back. The only time that I really hate it is when it's something that I just
2: really can't use. Like, they bought a $1,800 water bubbler, like the ones you would see at a school or an office building. What was a water bubbler? Uh, like a water fountain, like the ones where you like you click it, like an Ekle, and then the water comes out from the spout. I don't know what you guys call them. Oh. Like you call them water bubblers, East Coast. The water fount- a fountain? water fountain? Water fountain, yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. water fountain's probably West Coast terminology. Okay. But yeah, just one of those water fountains, and uh, it's 1800 and I just can't install it. Like I don't have a plumbing for this. I can't attach it to the wall. So it's just useless and I just ended up donating it to like some um, school because I I can't do anything with it. So I'm only annoyed when I have something that I feel like I cannot use in a way that's entertaining. What about everything else that you can't use? Like you're talking about just random items. Do you keep them? No, we end up usually trying to donate what we can and then it's a lot of waste uh, of just, you know, I have just a stupid amount of random statues and knickknacks and like desk ornaments that that I just cannot keep all of them. Uh, and so I've done, there's three ways I get rid of them. One is I just straight up donate it to who will take it. The other is I've done like charity auctions and I've sold on stream for charity the items I've gotten in the past uh, and then people will buy it. And then the third is I just have to trash it. Well, before you trash it,
0: Jack will take it.
1: Yeah? Well, I, I don't know about that. Hey, 100 gallons of lube, Jack. I would there take the Jackie
0: Chan if you ever get rid of it, I think the that's Jackie, so funny. Jackie's awesome. Yeah. You guys will see him. Will see him.
2: He's terrifying him, yeah. when you walk in and you see him. Yeah.
0: There was a really cool... Uh, it was a movie prop, so you could go on websites and find these really realistic, like alien movie props. But there was like a big, scary sixteen foot Yeti that was so cool looking. I wanted that for the living room.
1: A sixteen foot, sixteen feet, sixteen That's feet tall. Yes. Man. How are you going to get that through the through the back door? Through the back door. The back door. Yeah. Man, you got sixteen I would, foot vaulted ceilings. Yeah, in oh, Vegas, man.
0: Vegas are twenty two foot ceilings. I guess that is a Vegas thing, right? Yeah. Having those giant vaulted ceilings Yeah, the craziest thing I wanted to buy That I was so close to buying uh, And I should have bought it Was it's it's called the Timothy Olton Apollo And it's a replica of the uh, one of the Apollo uh, spacecrafts or whatever And inside of it was uh, like a sitting area So it's like a, like a circular thing with a table in the middle And they're so unbelievably cool And I thought I could put that in the living room And it looks like a spaceship And we could film a podcast in there how much was it? 150 oh. grand. But I could write it oh, off because expensive. it would be for the podcast.
1: True. Yeah, that'd be cool. But it just
0: happened to sit in the living room. Now I think these things would have been way more because this was no in COVID. Way. Yeah, because this was uh, in like the worst of COVID where everyone was like just panicking, didn't know what was going to happen with the economy. And they discounted this thing. I think normally it was like 200 grand for these things. Uh, and they discounted it. And I explained, like, here's who I am. Here's how it would be used. I think they only made, like, 10 of them. What do they make them for? Uh, decoration. Oh, just to yeah. sell them. To sell them. Okay, yeah, but they're, like,
1: seating arrangements inside of it. So it's right. purposely, there's supposed to be a utility with huh. it, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. I couldn't imagine how big that would be. It's huge. Yeah, but there are things like that that I see that I'm like, man, I I would love to do that. There's a, a thing. It's a $700 flashlight. I saw it on TikTok. I have 10 of those. You have 10? Are you serious? Yeah. It's the... Um, the Illumin. Yep. Uh, R18 What's or whatever.
2: Yes. I got a bunch to see how many it would take to cook an egg. That's a genius idea. And how many
1: did it take? Two. So you didn't need eight of them. I didn't. <laughs> because I thought
2: stupidly you get eight and then everyone stands around and they just point it at the egg. But what you actually do is you put one flashlight underneath and then one on top yeah. and it becomes like a convection oven.
1: So I know you have a relationship with Mr. Beast. Pretty, Mr. Bean. Pretty good one. Mm-hmm. You were in one of his videos.
2: Three. Oh, th- th- yeah. Three I saw the, the plane videos? video, right? Mm-hmm. I've done three videos. One's been posted on his channel. One he didn't post, so I stole. And then the final one hasn't been uploaded yet.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I only saw the... Uh, Yeah, the plain one.
2: The plain one, I knew the one
1: he posted on your channel, but I didn't know if that, like,
2: counted. Right, right? yeah, maybe it doesn't count.
1: Yeah, but what was that like? Because for those that don't know, Mr. Beast basically made a full-on video. How much money did he spend on that?
2: Yeah, so the first time he ever asked me to do a video was, like, a $1.1 million shoot that involved like two people, military guys, doing a bunch of obstacles, biggest sumo wrestler in the world, giant obstacles, whatever it was. Uh, and and I went out there to record to be basically a backup host for him. Because it was a race, he would not be able to, be to uh, get to the next obstacle sometimes mm-hmm. if they're going faster than him. So I would just be there in case to explain what to do. Uh, and that was why he asked me to go out there. And I had met him before this just to hang out. Uh, and and I think he thought I was funny and I would do well, and and so we do it all. Finish recording. A couple things go wrong in it. Like there's a few hiccups, and uh, and so I'm waiting for it to get uh, for it to get uploaded. Hit him up like every week. I'm like, hey, when's it going up? I'm curious. When's it going up? He's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then one time, um, I hit him up. I'm like, when's it going up? He's like, I'm not uploading it. I'm like what? He spent one point one million dollars. He's like, yeah, I didn't like it. It's not good. Was he that matter of fact about it, or was he like depressed at all? Or was no, it like- he's when he makes a decision, <laughs> he just does not care. It just is what it is, and and like he's the person who makes that call too, right? It's not like somebody above him who's like, yeah. you know, Jimmy, I don't think this is the one. It's him who's like, we're not uploading it, and everybody else who's worked on it for months, like, oh, dude, <laughs> but but like that's his thing. And I think he almost takes pride in the fact that he spends money on things that don't go out because it shows how much he cares and how much he's willing to put into YouTube where most creators wouldn't. So he just scrapped it. And then we did a podcast with him when I was filming a second video um, with him. And, And just as a joke, I was like, well, if you're not uploading it, let me upload it on my channel. And he was like, yeah, that'd be funny. Because he wanted my most viewed video to be his video, and now it is my most viewed video. It's just his video.
0: It's just his video. Is I, it his thumbnail too. Yeah, his did thumbnail. His anything. title. His video.
2: I did it. I did. I did two intros. I'm in it for about thirty seconds. Yeah.
0: I remember clicking on your video and being so thrown off that, like, I thought it was a Mr. Beast video at first, but I saw you uploaded. Wasn't it like I stole? Was it how much a million dollars from Mr. Beast? That was, was my
2: that- explanation of it but the actual video is called i buried a
0: hundred thousand dollars
2: go find it yep and it's I and it's Mr. Beast in the thumbnail and it's my channel. Yeah. Do you
1: think it could have done better? Because I honestly didn't know about you too well when I when I scrolled across that video for the first time. But changing your profile picture and channel name to Mr. Oh. Beast when you post it, and then you post it as him because <laughs> that like, would have been I hilarious. Been more to click on it, had I known it was an actual
2: Mr. Beast video. Don't you like lose
0: it. your verification when you change your oh, name? No, you yeah, that's a good point. Actually. R- You'd have to re-verify. You would have gotten it back. Yeah.
2: But yeah, I think it would have. And I think part of it was an experiment. Like he was curious because he's always had the idea that YouTube is all skill, not luck. And with the knowledge he has, if he had to start a channel from ground zero, it would just skyrocket upwards. And so this is like, okay, let's find out. Uh, and I think there's definitely an element to a video being really good, having great click-through rate and great watch time. But also it helps if the video is uploaded on a channel with 100 million subscribers and has just a guaranteed bedrock of viewership. Um So I think, like, if this video was on his channel, it certainly would have gotten 40 million views at least. And on my channel, it's sitting at about, like, seven and a half.
1: I agree with that. I probably would have been more compelled as a viewer to click on it just because it's
0: missing. Do you know what he didn't like about the video? Because I saw it. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Yeah, there was a couple things that went wrong. Like,
2: the first problem uh, was they had a giant target that they were supposed to shoot, like a bullseye uh, with a cannon. And the targets ripped because it was outdoors. It was just vinyl. It was huge vinyl targets. They just ripped both of them. And then they were like, okay, backup, we'll shoot the car with a cannon. And then the cannonball just turned out to be super flimsy in the wind, barely moved at all. So that just looked kind of bad, like that segment. Whatever, one segment, move on. There's another segment. They're supposed to wrestle a a Japanese, the heaviest Japanese sumo wrestler. Uh, they're supposed to like do a sumo mm-hmm. a match against him. They both end up because he has the coordinates tucked in his side, just running up, grabbing it, and leaving it. And you can hear the Japanese sumo wrestler in Japanese after he goes. W- w- have he started? So it's like just kind of lackluster. And then the ending, they just sprinted to the end before anyone was really there. So it's like. I think the day of the shooting felt a lot worse than what
0: the final product ended up being, but it's hard to detach that feeling from what it looked like at the very end. Yeah. He's got an interesting business model with his main channel. It seems like that's the loss leader. Like that's the Costco Mm -hmm. chicken that's in front that gets people through to then watch his other channels, like his gaming channel he was talking about makes so much. And then the reacts channel. Yeah, yeah. Um, And if he wanted to, he could just post Reacts videos all the time and just print money. I mean, that's got to be mostly profit. Right. But the main channel, yeah, he's very uh, upfront that he loses money on a lot of those videos.
2: And I think Costco is a good example because I think he's just as prideful of it being a loss leader. (laughs) I think he's like, he loves that he is like, I've spent like $10 million on videos in the past two months and I've thrown away half of of them. It's like, he
0: loves that because I think it, it gives him a sense of pride. Yeah, it is astounding, though. He's not exaggerating that he does spend everything. Yes. it There's, I, I don't know, I was trying to calculate in my mind, like, here's how much he makes, here's how much he spends. It, it all gets reinvested. It is amazing to me how little he's taken out for himself, and just everything is back into the videos, and just making good And he's he's that serious about it. I'm like, all right, you know, Mr. Beast, just, okay, really, it's not just about making their best videos, right? He's like, no, it's... It's the best videos. That's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. I would love to see you do that again. Would you try another channel and see if you could replicate that once more? I think it's too hard to completely isolate all the variables
2: in that sort of experiment. And I think the idea of skill.luck is interesting and fun and people love exploring that. So I, I am working on that. But rather than do it through a video that I make... I'm working directly with a creator, and I have been for a while now. Because um, you remember that Mr. Beast tweet, and it's like I worked with this creator. This is the before of how yep. much they made. Yeah, yeah. This is the after. Mm. I was like, "That's crazy." So I, I thought I would try the same, and it's been going pretty well.
1: And you can't say what creator. No leaks, because then it'll
2: kind of yeah. Sell you how
0: does that been? yeah? How does that work? How did you find the creator? Do you do you take a split in no. terms of now? Is it just a test? Purely just like. I am
2: trying to mentor this person and, you know, at first we would have like scheduled calls and it's been going on long enough now that they know what they're doing. Um, and they're, I think they're incredible at it. Uh, and, and I want no ownership of it. And, and I keep telling them if the thing that comes out of this is you have grown and I don't even get a video out of it, I'm happier than if I get a video uh, and you haven't
0: grown, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm I'm just mostly focused on on that. Yeah. Sometimes I'll notice people, and I think they're going to be successful no matter what happens. If if I'm helping or if I'm not, they're going to do well. And sometimes some people that you come across just have whatever that might be, and you're like, oh no. Jack Gordon was yeah, a yeah. great example. I found his channel so early on. I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, he's like a, a, a young Vsauce. And, uh, you know what, I think, I can't remember if I, I think I made him an offer to come work with me in the very beginning.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, did. did.
0: I thought it would be so cool because then we'd have two Jacks. We'd have one Jack and then Jack Gordon. And I, I thought it was a long shot he'd even take the offer. And, he's, and he didn't. But I was, I wasn't even surprised. I'm like, no, it's, his channel's going to blow up. And sure enough, it did. Yeah. But he just had some, uh, he's at 350 now, but okay. he's in high school Oh. Wow. and uh, he barely ever posts. Oh really? Yeah, he'll post. He's just a high schooler. Yeah, he'll post yeah. every now and then. But I'm like, if you just quit high school and just posted one video every other mm. week, you would be, he would be at a million subscribers within I, like a few months. I remember, I think I was, yeah. it
1: was Vid Summit yeah. last year. I was there, and I was at an event there, and some lady came up to me, and she started talking to me. Turns out it was his mom. Yep. And she was like, Yeah, like, I don't want him to drop out of high school or I don't want him to like pursue this because he needs to pursue his education and stuff like that. I just thought he was, was, but yeah, he's, but a-
0: he's an example. He'll do well, whatever he yeah. sets his mind to. Like, right. if he wants to be a marine biologist, he'll be the best marine biologist. He's, she's just got yeah, that yeah. mind. That's great. But he's also good on camera.
2: Just a focused person who's charismatic.
0: Ooh, yeah. What's the most expensive thing you've bought? Uh, Probably the 4GT. But that was an investment. Everything I bought was like that car was actually better than the S and P It's it's almost as good as some of the best real estate deals I've done.
2: Why, why? What? What is the
0: goal with the money? Why are you the dragon who hoards the gold? I don't think I, I don't think it's a dragon who hoards. No, it's dragon. I it's uh, I just enjoy it. I like I like being frugal. I like business. I so, understand being frugal yeah. and
2: not spending, but for me, uh, when I hit a million dollars, I'm like I'm good. This is all I need. Any amount more than this outside of a house, I will say, uh, is not necessary for my day-to-day to function. And if I had more, I wouldn't know what to do with it. And I would rather, I don't I don't need that, mm. which is why I have a lot of overhead as opposed to you yeah. who doesn't have a lot of overhead, but has way more money
0: than me. So it's like, what What do you? See, I love investing. I love personal finance. I love finding a deal. I, I take so much enjoyment in, in finding an undervalued, whatever it might be and investing in it. So I, I take a lot of pride in, in, in finding something that maybe other people didn't see. And for me, like the Ford GT was something like, I think mm-hmm. that these are going to be half a million dollar cars. This is a good deal. I set a price, like I found the car, worked out. So everything I do is, is kind of focused around that. But then I also, I only want to spend like 2% of what I have invested. And then that way, it's sustainable so that no matter what happens, I'm always living off of 2% of whatever the total is. Mm -hmm. But that means also that, let's say, you you make a million dollars, you invest a million dollars. Well, that's now an extra $20,000 a year that I could spend guilt-free because I know no matter what happens, it's going to be coming back. To be fair, like,
1: I I respect the fact that you are so thrifty to the extent of, like, actually probably helping the environment because we'll go out and he'll, like, save the ketchup packets. (laughs) But he's still on record saying he makes, like, six million or whatever in a year, but still at the same point, saving ketchup packets.
0: But but here's the thing, but I don't want them to go to waste. So I'm very much, like, if I waste anything, like this cup, for instance, I'll keep the cup, wash it out so I could reuse it again. But stuff like that, it's because I, I don't want to waste the cup. That's it's a, blast, it's a, it's a plastic cup. I don't want to them. <laughs> Macy Macy hates that. Oh, that's I terrible. rinse them. I rinse them.
1: Yeah, she's she's. Bra- he doesn't use toilet paper because it's wasteful.
2: <laughs> what do you use? It's my hand. What <laughs> you could just
1: wash it in the sink. Water's cheaper than toilet paper.
2: So you just what do you what do you mean you what what do you mean? You, just do, do you have a bidet? No, no. that's expensive. What? <laughs> you need to get a bidet. I'm kidding. No, he doesn't wipe do right with his <laughs> hand,
1: man. No. Jags yeah. made that up. That was a joke. <laughs> well, they but do that the, in France. No, they don't.
2: Yeah, because the bidets are separate attachments from the main unit, so you have to get up after you're shitting, and then you go over to the other bidet, and then you turn it on, and then just use your hand so to clean it what up.
1: that's Wait, what? You, you just use, use your, your hand. hand to clean
2: your ass. I mean, like you would in the shower.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't that sounds think okay. I that's... Okay, that's too far from yeah, me. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, I, don't I thought
2: you might have had a little French in you. you do I thought you no. had that dog in you. <laughs> you do I have a attached bidet, so it's like uh, it's like a... Uh, I, I, that's actually something I'm about to drop is I just made my own bidet because I love bidets. Do you have one?
0: No. Do you have one? You know what? Everyone who has one swears by them.
2: Yeah, no, I've, I've tried
1: one one or two times. I don't like them. What I'm bidet solid. did you use? It was one in a hotel.
0: Mm, that's why.
2: So it's a heated cool. seat, two different types of oscillating sprays, heated water, Okay. Five different pressure levels. It has a deodorizer for when you're using it. You need that. All right. It also has a self regulated (laughs) energy saving uh, and dryer. If you don't want to use TP, but I mean, I still use TP, but what you do is, 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 uh, I've been working on this for like a year now of making this bidet. And I've made two, one that's probably similar to the hotel, like a everyday $50 unit. And then one that's like the $500 souped up unit. Uh, and I think it's just a total life changer. So what
1: about bidet's are you so fast? Like, b bidet? Bidet. Bidet. bidet bidet. What about
2: bidet's really enamors you? I think it's the correct way hygienically
0: probably to right. go yeah. to the bathroom. Like why I, is it better?
2: It's just it's just like it's like you asking me, it's like why are we showering and not just using more deodorant? Like that's what it feels like. It's like you are taking a poop and then just using dry paper and then just pulling out some of it. Yeah. Like like, pulling out some like jack. (laughs) Think about this. Think about this. Do you have a pet? Yeah, I do. Okay, your pet your pet poops on a carpet. What are you just gonna grab bounty and then just rub it in and then be like, All right, I've done it, and then walk away? No. I like to think my
1: butt isn't a carpet.
2: It is but it's not a carpet. Unless you're waxing, it is. And I unless you want to open up to this podcast right now and let Graham Graham know what's going on down there. What what if you do wax? Does that make a difference? I think so. Yeah, okay. I actually okay. think okay. if you wax, it's just the it's just the cleanest wipe. Uh, it's probably still better to have water, sure. right? Like just hygienically. Um, you, you wax? No. <laughs> no,
1: no, God no. Yeah, my <laughs> friend got
2: waxed for a podcast, and he was crying in pain. Really? Yeah, because yeah. he, he got everything. I've been
1: oh. waxed on my chest before. Yeah, very, very painful. Right, very painful.
2: Anyway, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get sure. you guys. I'm gonna have you try a bidet. Okay, and then you, okay. will, your lives will be changed. So you're so, trying, so you're selling a bidet. You're turning this into a, the, you're yeah, make money from it. Yeah, I've made a bidet. It's been like a eight month process. I have a factory in Korea that I've worked with, and and we're about ready to to sell them. Give us a price point. How much is that going to be? It's fifty for the base level, and then okay. five hundred for the primo. Why not anything in between? Because there isn't much, <laughs> right? Like. There's the bidets that just directly connect to the water line, and that only requires uh, like a splitter, and then you just turn it on, turn it off. And then there's the ones that require electricity, and and so there's not like a way for that one to be cheaper. It's a bunch of electronics, uh, um,
0: so it's like you would just be making up value. Couldn't there be a battery-operated one or one that you just plug in and like charge?
2: Maybe, no. but no okay. one Use that. I think at uh, the amount of electricity you would pull and the amount of time right. you'd have
0: to—it's it, not really something that exists in the
2: market. Okay. I think there are versions of the five hundred dollars ones that are cheaper, but I went with the one with all the, all the the oh, gizmos yeah. and the gadgets. So, are you whistles,
0: taking yeah. like a like a is it like a white label sort of product and kind of switching it up a little bit, or do you developing from scratch? Or how yeah, does... It's
2: kind of similar to a yeah. It's mostly a white label project, but it, we've customized it because um, they're like the largest bidet manufacturer. It's Brondell. Uh, and we've worked with them to like basically find the best thing we can make, and then have one that is still affordable. That, yeah. that I think looks good.
0: Are you serious about selling the bidet? Like, you want to take this in the direction of like making money from this, or is it a side project for you? I want to be like the my pillow guy, but for bidets and not racist. who's I want, the my pillow? He's guy?
2: like the he's like the big <laughs> trumper who would sell pillows. They're like $60 pillows and he was just r- hardcore. So every Republican would have like their pillows and you'd see guys at rallies with their pillows next to him. But but like he's like trying to revolutionize by having comfy pillows. I feel like everybody should use bidets. Like I feel like that is the correct thing. Sure. And after using them, most people hate going back. Like if you go on a trip, your life is significantly worse. And so I want to bring bidets to America. It's already in most of Europe and in, in um, Asia. In the Middle East, yeah. it's just America that's very far behind. Why do you think that is? Why are Americans not embracing a bidet? I think we're shy about potty. We're we're shy about bathroom stuff, you know. Like like, I think, I think that's mostly it. I think it's like we don't we don't talk about it. We don't discuss it. And it probably doesn't do well for marketing as well. You know, talking about what you're gonna poop with. Mm. So I'm just trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to start a movement. Mm. All right. So when I'm done with all the streaming, you know how Mr. Beast got Beast Burger. Yeah. This is my Beast Burger. Okay. Ludwig's bidets. It's called Swipe.
0: Wow, that's a great name. That's pretty good. You like that? Yeah. yeah. You like should it. incorporate movement in like the the logo or the or the slogan. I'll like, show uh, you the, like the box. Yeah, and it could be like you know short for bowel movement, like you know the, the movement you need or like something, something like that. I don't <laughs> like know. The slogan is "Welcome yeah. to the 21st century."
2: That's good. Yeah,
0: because I think that you know toilet papers that's Oonga Boonga sure. stuff. Can I connect to your iPhone though? Like I feel like it should have some sort of control like a smartphone.
2: They have a remote.
0: Specifically for the, the okay. toilet that you, you just connect to the wall huh. and then you pull it out. Okay. That's <laughs> wow. the whole thing. How about this? So, can we talk about your relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when did you meet your girlfriend?
2: I met her streaming. I was live and she was live because she was a streamer. She started same time as I did. And she used to compete in these like, I don't know if you know, like Austin show, mm-hmm. uh, but he used to do like these like dating shows online, kind of like reality TV type stuff. But for live streams, That's what Minx did. Yes. That was the
1: thing Minx did. Oh, did a lot really?
2: of Yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh and she would compete on them and she would win a lot because she was very good at like like going above and beyond. She's like a baker, so she'd make cakes and stuff for them. Uh, and then she would farm like random um, guys in who are streaming for content. So she would just go to their streams and be like, be my chat's dad, and then leave and go to another person, leave, go to another person. And it just came into my stream one time, and then I, I was like No, I'm I'm a tier three sub to Pokimane and we just joked around and then we followed each other and we started talking and uh, and now we've been dating for almost three
0: years. And how is that balancing relationship while also having a pretty rigorous work schedule?
2: It helps that she's also a streamer, right? Because there's periods of time where she's way busier than I am. Like she's run events like the streamer awards uh, that. That have got more views than me, XQC, or or like Mizkif I've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when she's working on that, she's gone the whole time. So like I get it when she has to do that and she gets it when I do my stuff. The only time that there was ever a period where she was like, okay, you, this is way too much was the subathon, mm. which I get. Because yeah. I wasn't even sleeping with her at night. I was <laughs> sleeping she on the She was stream.
1: uncomfortable sleeping in front of the camera. I mean, that makes, no, she wasn't gosh, sleeping under
2: the camera. She was by herself But she in was
1: uncomfortable room. to sleep on the camera.
2: Oh, yeah. She wouldn't have wanted that, to come. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Of course not. Yeah, that'd be weird. That would be, that would be <laughs> that a right, little yeah. bit be, weird if we're both sleeping together. Didn't even come Get up. banned no, for no. seven days, yeah. Jack. Yeah, it's <laughs> only seven days. <laughs> so it's been good because I think we both understand the space pretty well. Do you think you want marriage and kids one day? For sure, yeah. But it's kind of weird in the, at least where I am right now, I think part of being a streamer is you're also like a, like a, you act like a teenager and like in, you just like go live and then you yell and you play video games all day. And I think it's, it's hard to balance having a family with that. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be at a point in my life where I am selling bidets and I'm producing streams for other people rather than I'm the person in front of the camera at all times. Sure.
1: Is that the end goal?
2: I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, and that's why I started Offbrand, which is the company that I made with with my business friends, uh H-Rock Sands and Nick Allen, that is just meant to make shows for other people, make productions for other people. Uh, because I, I thought one day, I just like it was six months ago, I was like, why do I have to be the guy in front of the camera all the time? Like, I think I'm a decent host, but I'm not the best at this job. I don't attract the largest audience. I'm not the, like, you know, most palatable. I know how to make a show, and I know most streamers just like being live 10 hours a day so they can make money, but won't put the effort in and the work in and the hours in a day to actually make a show. So why don't I do that work for them? Why don't I get funding for it? Why don't I sell on it, take a larger cut from it, and then just produce it, have them um, – I create their like greatest thing they will do that year in terms of viewership and and like critical acclaim and uh and and just be behind the camera. What do you mean by a show? I I think like as opposed to an average stream, right? So like most streams is just like dude behind camera. And there's not really a way to build upon that and oftentimes when you do, it feels inauthentic. Like if you have an insane setup uh with like, you know, the five cameras and, yeah, and yeah. dog cam- it's too professional and and it and it it's hard to relate to the person behind that. But it, the meta and the thing that has been succeeding a lot for, for streams is a, a, a large-scale production. So I don't know if you know the Spanish streamer Ibai, Mm-mm. but he does these large productions very frequently. He has a huge team in Spain, and he got, uh, uh, I think, 3 million live concurrent viewers on a boxing event he ran which is the record for the most viewers on any live stream in these events you can think of him in the same way as mr beast's uh, loss leader almost assuredly it's a huge cost to run this and it'd be much cheaper and he'd make much more money if he just sat behind a camera in his room playing minecraft but they bring in so many new eyes that then his daily streams get a lot more views and he'll do a lot of these at a very high rate uh and so i've run a couple of these like i did uh a a Jeopardy clone called mogul money. Yeah. And it got 150,000 viewers live. And we had an in-person audience of 6,500 people. Uh, and it was, it was probably like the greatest live streaming event I've done to date. And, and it lost money, but it will funnel in people for
0: live streams in the future. Wasn't that the one where a sponsor backed out? Wasn't that the reason why it was a loss? Like you would have made money had it not been for that. I
2: think so. I, we, we definitely didn't hold back on spending. Like I, I, booked the venue for an extra rehearsal day, which cost 75 K. And I think if I hadn't bought that, we, we, we probably even would have broke even. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the biggest one is that Coinbase was our sponsor yeah. and then crypto crashed. And then they just pulled out of all verbal agreements cause they just couldn't, they couldn't pay for it anymore. Right. Uh, so yeah, the events should make money. Usually the first ones don't cause like it's proof of concept. Brands are very, uh, risk averse. Yeah. Uh,
0: but after doing like that one, if I do another one, I know that will probably make more. Now, How do you balance that between, I think, more of like an amateurish take, which could do better because it feels more relatable? Like when I see big shows like that, I appreciate all the work and the production that goes on. But then I think it, it, it feels less like I'm there sitting in the room because of how produced it. it feels like I'm watching a TV show. Right. How do you find the balance between that? I think it's always important to make it feel like an event that you cannot miss that that
2: has that urgency that you are there to see live. And it doesn't necessarily need that one-on-one feeling as if you were watching a friend behind a camera, mm-hmm. as long as it feels like something that was worth your time to watch. So like in December, I'm running a chess boxing event and I've lined up about seven to nine matches. We'll see how many we get at the end of it. Uh, and I think like that's an event that you need to watch live because if you don't, you're going to hear who won on Twitter. You're going to see who won on Twitter, whatever it is. And it will feel a lot less uh, rewarding to watch the VOD of it. What's chess boxing? The coolest sport ever, dude. What? It is one round of chess, and then you switch for one round of boxing. And you alternate until somebody wins by checkmate or knockout. Are you serious? Wait, wait, wait. wait. So it's it's just two people going back and forth? Yeah. Wait,
1: one round of chess? Yeah, you
2: play two minutes of chess, and then after the chess portion, you switch you you do boxing for 90 seconds. You switch back to chess. How do you do boxing for 90 seconds and like put the gloves on and have that be like? So for the boxing, specifically for chess, you, you have one glove on, you're wrapped up and then the other one is wrapped, but you have one glove off and then you have to choose your, your chess hand and then you play chess with that hand. And then they, you have like a 30-second, like a we'll have a trainer come out, put the glove on, make sure you're good to go, have the referee clear everything, and then they box for 90 seconds.
1: What if it's like 10 rounds that people have to go? There's a
2: maximum. So the chess is a timed chess. It's going to be like five uh, uh, minutes of chess with zero seconds added per move. So you will guaranteed lose by time uh, if you are not you know moving quickly enough.
0: Now, my thought is with the boxing, removing the glove is a big deal. Yeah. Um, have you thought about the timing it would, that it would take between like playing a round of chess? Like I'm guessing it's probably 10 minutes to, for someone to sign off on that glove to make sure it's
2: no. So chess boxing is a real sport. Like it's a sanctioned sport. There's associations in almost every single state and they do this professionally. And so the, the, the turnaround time is actually a lot faster than you would think, um, to sign off on it. It's about 30 seconds at, at, at when it's functioning at its best. Because it's only one yeah. glove you need to have on and you keep
0: the wraps on. Who is gonna be boxing? Could you could you reveal any names? Give Are the, you give boxing? us some So
2: initially I thought about doing it, but I really want to host the event and I want to be commentating the events. And I think if I had a fight that day and then I had to switch from host to fighting, that'd be impossible. Yeah, I agree. So I I haven't been able to pull this together. This is the last piece of the puzzle that I'm missing, but I want to slap box someone. Which is, I don't know if you've ever seen Moist Critical's videos on this. It's a real thing. It's mostly like Eastern European sport, but you just have two men. you huge, burly men, <laughs> and they stand there. They're not allowed to move. Uh, and then another person across from them slaps them. And you just keep going back and forth until someone quits or passes out. I, I've seen it. I
0: don't get the point.
2: Am I the only one who just, I, I don't What's the point of being at the Olympics? It's all content, baby. Come on. Man slaps man in the face. Man falls. That's fun to
0: watch. Is it a sport or is it just, like, entertaining? Yeah, it's sport, too. sport, Like, there's an yeah, actual really? competition. I've yeah. seen, like, the crowds it generates, but I still get it. So this would be a, a, get slap
2: box, a, a slap chest boxing. So we would slap each other, then make a move. Slap <laughs> each other, make a move. When is this going to be
0: uh, live? When can people see December it?
2: December 11th, we have the Galen Center, which is, like, where USC does their basketball games. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're trying to get a crowd of, like, 10K out. And, uh... And just make it real high. I would go to that. That should would be, be fun. Yeah. Be in LA. It's in I'd LA. be there. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be Yeah, yeah, USC. Yeah, USC. Okay, cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'd go to that. Yeah, I'd go. That'd be fun. I would love to go as like a spectator and a right. watch, but there's a lot of training that goes on for that.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We They've so, been training for like most everyone, at least the past two, maybe three months. It's been like five, six months of lead time, which isn't the most in the world, honestly. But at least everybody started with the same like... Totally amateur yeah. knowledge of boxing. You did it. Yeah,
0: I started with six. I had six months. Yeah. But I really was serious about it for four okay. of those six months. What's serious? Like how often were you going? Three to four times a week for an hour. But I should have sparred more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The last month I started sparring, but I only did a few times. And I should have been doing sparring, I don't know, after two months of doing it. Right. And just like, you know, light rounds just to, just to get used to it. But I that was my one regret is not doing that more because it, it's is it jarring to get punched and that's like you need to yes. get accustomed to that yeah that would that was where i feel like i uh i could have improved because once i got hit in the head i've never been hit in the head like that before right uh because when i when you're wearing the headgear, it's a bigger target but it, it's not so like crazy and when you're when you're doing a uh you know sparring it's not quite the same intensity with like people around but yeah when you're hitting the head it's so weird it's it's uh Kind of like, imagine, like, blinking for, like, a split second. Things just go, and then come back. It doesn't hurt, which is strange. I thought it would hurt. Yeah. But it's just that we are like, out, back in, and it takes you, like, a few seconds to just get your bearings and be like, all right, I'm standing here. This is what's going on. But you don't have that time. It's like, you have a split second, and then, at least for me, I got hit once, kind of went out, came back in. It was like, came back, thinking for a split second, like, oh, that was... And then, boom, happens again. So... That's something that I think you need to get used to, like, So you can punched.
2: instinctually, in that feeling when you know you're going out, yes. maybe put your
0: guard up. Yeah.
2: yeah, that makes sense to me. And I also think it should be better because of the extra break time in between rounds. I expect everyone will become pretty fresh and the guard will be, you know, mm-hmm. you'll be, you, it's not going to, your hands are going to be heavy. You know, you're going to yeah. be able to lift up the gloves because uh, you have two and a half minutes in between each round. Um, so,
0: you know. I'm hoping everyone comes out of it. Yeah. I think that break, that two and a half minutes, is going to set people up to be really energized when they come yeah. back in. So each round is going to be full intensity. Yeah, because what happened, like even like the Idubs fights, like, yeah. at the end of it,
2: they're just cooked. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, it's, it's like a cardio thing. Yeah. And so I think that break is going to make it more casual, but also make everyone feel a little bit better doing it.
0: Yeah. It was weird watching Logan fight Mayweather. And I remember round, like, five or six, or I forget how many. I think they went eight rounds. Nine rounds, uh, right? Or maybe it was nine. Yeah. And I remember, like, round five, like, Mayweather seemed like he was just doing just fine. But Logan was tired. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, that's easy. Why is he tired? I don't get it. But, oh, man, you're, like, end of round one, and you're just winded. You, you can't explain. It's, like, running as fast as you can without a break for three minutes. Mm-hmm. And then expecting you to be like, I still have energy after that. It's it's insane. Yeah, the time's so short, so I think people's expectations are you'd you'd be fine. But
2: no, like if you just actually, I went to one boxing training. They made us do jumping jacks for three minutes. Yeah, I was cooked. Yeah, was not, that's not even boxing. I was just <laughs> doing jumping jacks. Yeah, well, I couldn't feel my calves
0: the next day. I was like, okay, I get it, I get it. You yeah. can tire yourself out real quick. A lot of it too is mental. It's the thinking through what are they going to do. It's your mind racing at the same time that you're, you know, physically exerting yourself. Right. I think that's what it is. I think it's the combination of the two. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so. That's, the, uh, that's the next event. I'm pretty excited for it. And so how does that work uh, money-wise? Do you have sponsors covering it? Are you selling tickets? Is there an expected ROI you're looking to break even? Is it pay-per-view? No, it'll be totally,
2: uh, I want it to be my most viewed stream ever. So currently that's like 205,000, which was the end of the subathon, uh, concurrent viewers. And I, and I'd like for this to be the most, so it's not going to be pay-per-view because I think pay-per-view is also like, yeah, maybe you pull a million bucks, you know, maybe $2 million in, in like sales, but I I don't think that's worth the, the loss in like cultural momentum by creating something that people care about and watch and talk about. Uh, so the main way that I'm hoping to make money is ticket sales and sponsors. I don't really know. I don't. I don't think I have. I've already spent about half a million just for all the people who are competing in it, uh, and just paying them, making sure that they're covered for all their boxing time and food, because mm-hmm. um, that's not cheap. And so I, I'm not exactly sure where this will come down. I mean, it has a lot of seats, so maybe maybe it'll make money, but. I'm also very happy if this breaks even,
0: and I just have a really cool event. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to ask us? Any other topics that you feel like you want to cover? Yeah, I got a
2: question for you guys. Uh, What do you think, and I don't know if you have much knowledge on it, on the general eSports space? Because it's kind of a money
0: sink from VCs uh, who all put money into it. Have you looked into this at all? I'm always a firm believer that if something's that good, you'd keep it private. Mm. Um, Yeah. Right. And it seems like a lot of the IPOs are a way for investors to get their money out uh, and, yeah. and a way to capitalize on all the work. And I, I do think that from everyone, I mean, FaZe is so recognizable and they built such a huge brand. But I kind of think if they believed in themselves and they had the longevity, why do they need more money? Because they, they would have no problem funding what they need to. But what again, they, I don't know the inner workings of their business.
2: What generally happens with most esports companies is they start somewhat small, somewhat manageable, and then the overhead becomes absurd because getting like an a spot for for League of Legends, like an LCS spot, it's like $40 million to buy that. You know, getting a spot for like Valorant's like 15 million. What does that mean? Like to be in the league, like like think of it as like the NBA, like buying a team slot. And if you don't have that, you're not a premier team, right? So you well, need to earn it. You have to buy it. Huh. You can have an amazing roster of players in maybe a different league or, or, you know, some minor, doing some minor league stuff. But then the only thing you can get out of that, if you're the owner of it, is selling the players. So the the, the game has really become flipping players. So just trying to get talented players and then sell them to bigger orgs or flipping spots in professional teams. Uh, in like, um, like syndicated teams, I forget the exact word I'm looking for. Mm. Uh, but like flipping those is like generally how people are making their money. Uh, but outside of that, they're usually just burning through investor money with insane overhead and then eventually hoping to go public or get another round. Uh, but pretty much everyone is like just tanking money from the esports side. Yeah, it, it
0: sounds viable. No, it doesn't sound sustainable. It sounds like it's a bit fatty,
2: yeah, you know? kind of. Like, yeah, for sure. Is there's like teams that have just poofed away, right, and just disappeared. I
1: feel like Faze also kind of wanted to do like the, the cloudy thing, which was like, yeah. you know, you, if you yeah. go public, that's a ton of clout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but right. they were the
2: and first. They
0: were the first to do it, right? They were the first.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think there's like a holding company that's public that owns another esports org. Yeah. Uh, but they're the first that's like their mm-hmm. their ticker is Faze. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm sure it could be a lot of just a fad right now, but then over time it could develop. But I'm very much about, like, what's the bottom line? How much money does it make? Let's not spend too much money. Let's keep low overhead and keep this thing running running slim All and right. lean. Then let me give you so, a little
2: question. I'm going to show you my Robinhood account, and okay. you tell me what are good investments and what are bad investments. Yeah, let's do All it. Right. Like, can we, yeah, you uh, could,
0: could you yeah, screen it? Yeah. All right, let's see. All right, so you've gone from 261 down to 180. I mean, that's the market generally. Um, but in what?
1: total, he's lost $25,000 in principle, which isn't like...
0: It's not bad. I was no. up like forty
1: percent at one
2: point. I was doing what right.
0: sucks is that you're down five percent today. Uh nine almost ten thousand dollars today. That's not that's not bad, man. Let's no, go down. Yeah. Are you are
1: you using margin at all or no?
0: What does that mean? Okay, then, then that's yeah, a. Yeah. that means you're a, borrowing no. money from the platform. All too. right, so you got a third of a bitcoin. I think that's fine. Like Six thousand dogecoin. That's, I think that's that's, a, that's fine. I had
1: I had some dogecoin back in the day. I turned one hundred dollars into seventeen thousand. 100 yeah. isn't that crazy that's F- insane yeah. you had a really had had
0: incredible time
2: and he sold at the peak yeah i lost it all though it's oh it's uh, yeah, yeah yeah. i had made a bit off it and then just kept
0: some just in case yeah uh but i sold a lot of it mm. it's good probably good yeah uh, i like your stocks of art microsoft really safe apple, apple you can't go good. wrong with yeah, it yeah. disney i think is pretty good baba uh what do we got here coca-cola got a warren buffett stock there love coke then we got Ver- Cola. Verizon, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Verizon, but you know, but I'm bitter. I invested in T Mobile a while ago and they did nothing. How'd Ooh.
2: you pick these stocks? Uh, so they're mostly things that I believe in one, things that somebody told me to buy, like Verizon was the stock guy on Twitch who just told me to buy Verizon, so I did. And then, uh, some are memes, like United Airlines, I bought as a joke because I had a running thing that airlines can only go up uh, and then some are random yolos that I found on random websites
0: yeah like app harvest that's a weird I've never heard of this company but you got uh at, your average cost is $3.95 not bad but at the peak this was a like $30 no yeah $33 stock and now it's 256 yeah, Germa told
2: one? me to buy it because he said it was revolutionizing agriculture.
0: I oh, don't know. And I bought it cuz I like Germa. Anytime it's democratized or revolutionized, I'm just like, "No, move on from that." Honestly, it's not that bad. Uh, I invested in Rocket. That's that's been a terrible terrible, terrible company. That was a Wall but... Street bet YOLO. It was right oh, before yeah. their
2: call or earnings call or whatever, and they're like it's going to go up, and I bought it and it's down a lot.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ford, I really like Ford a lot. Palantir has been awful. Oh, um, that know. was one I never got into. Another uh, Wall Street bets. Oh, it yeah. turns out they're yeah. also an evil company. Oh, really? I think so. Right? I don't, I don't th- think so. I'll stop recording. I don't think it's bad. So I mean, bad? I mean, no. This is your I mean, play money, right? This yeah. Is the, this is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is the. So that's the thing. It's like if this if this were your retirement account, I would look at that and be like, bro, we got to sell <laughs> everything. Just an index fund. It. Keep some cash on the sidelines. But if this is just like play money, it doesn't really matter. And I would just look at this like, are these companies that you believe in for the next five years? Mm -hmm. And if not, I mean, it doesn't hurt to take a loss on them. Get a write-off and put that money in a company that you do believe in. What does that mean? Uh, If you sell those at a loss... You're able to sell other investments that you have as a gain to cancel out. So let's let's just say you lost hundred grand here, but you made a hundred grand over here. You could sell those those winning investment that that profit offset it with a loss, owe oh, no tax whatsoever. But it's the same amount of money, correct? Yeah, you just, but
1: it's like the net change in total. Is it, yes. is it
2: just a a way to pull out of a company you don't believe in that you're losing on? Correct. It, the While the, also the benefit, yeah, yeah, just, just yeah.
1: sell and then rebuy back. Yeah, in if it, you really want to, resets, made money
0: on. it resets your cost basis. So that, that way, like, imagine you sold those profitable stocks for you know a hundred thousand profit. Now you have to own tax on that, but you could offset that with losing investments like this. And then that way it resets your cost basis on whatever you want to buy. So I've made a shit ton on Amazon. I believe in
2: them. I've lost a shit ton on App Harvest. I don't believe in them. Yeah. I sell both. It offsets, and then I go right back to Amazon.
0: Correct. And now your cost basis is higher. Like imagine you're at uh, let's just let's just call it even numbers. Ten dollars on Amazon. Now it's worth twenty. Yeah. Uh that difference you're going to have to pay tax on that. But Capital by offsetting tax. it, now all of a sudden your tax basis is twenty dollars. So if it goes from twenty to 30, now you're only paying tax on the ten dollars instead of on the twenty dollars
2: okay do you get that or no so? yeah, I'm here I'm here yeah
0: are you guys are tap tax loophole enjoyers
1: I, I enjoy
0: no no, no maybe bit. not a loophole but you know within the tax code there are there are some opportunities yeah. there yeah not loophole is that not a correct term not really I think loophole has a negative a connotation, connotation to it yeah. I, I I think using the tax code as it's intended is a great thing.
2: I guess I'm referring to things like billionaires borrowing and then borrowing, they're borrowing, and
0: borrowing, they're borrowing, so they never have to pay capital gains tax. Eventually, No, but the thing is, eventually they'll pay the capital gains tax. It goes somewhere. Now, the the goal is that you will pass away and that your, heir, your heirs will inherit that at a stepped-up tax basis. I think that's a, that's a loophole that they will close at some point, but right yes. now it's totally fine. Uh, So I'm all for it. I think for most people, it doesn't make sense to borrow against assets to pay for things. But if you're in a category where where you could do that effectively, then I think it's okay.
2: What about the flying to Puerto Rico, living there for the 10% income tax and then sailing out of it?
0: Uh, there are a lot of stipulations to doing that, that you have to follow. Uh, I think a lot of people just think blindly, oh, I'll move to Puerto Rico for six months in a day and I'll save all this tax. There's certain businesses that are qualified to do that. You have to comply with that. I think if you go through the process, uh, why not? But I think it's a lot more involved than most people think. Sure. We just got a warehouse space and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna do most of the
2: work out of the warehouse for any like, uh, shows or productions that we have. Uh, and I'm excited to to not be in my house and work for my house because I've just been doing that for four years, you know? See, once we visited
1: Jimmy, like, he knows this too. But as soon as we saw his warehouse, we were like, oh my gosh, having a place like this I feel like could make us so much more productive and give us so much more freedom too. Right. Because right now, our podcast space, like, it's good. We have really high quality equipment. It looks professional. But at the same time, the room is tiny. Like, the room is significantly smaller than this. Right. Right, and it's... Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's like... I mean, is probably it like the blue at the, at the yeah it's probably like the blue up yeah
0: down. oh no bigger probably probably where those those things are I see yeah
1: yeah I mean it's it's a pretty small room for the amount of like like production that people we walk get.
0: in they're like wow I thought this was so much bigger yeah, right but but wide angle warehouse,
1: ends. I mean it opens up so much more freedom too you could have depth in your podcast too which is kind of sick mm-hmm. and lots of stuff so we kind of have been dabbling with that yeah. idea. Realistically, it's probably not going to happen. Sure. But it'll be interesting to see how that affects your work. And if you find yourself more productive, leaving the house and working somewhere else and like being able to separate like home life from
2: work life. Yeah. I think I'm excited for that idea. Yeah. I think that, that that'll, uh it'll change how I feel in my house. Cause I don't think I've felt that in like pff, ever, you know, really? it's kind of funny because I,
1: I growing up, like I always figured I would do some sort of nine to five at some point And you dream to do the job where you can work whenever you want. But as soon as you start doing that, and especially if you're working from home, you strive to have more structure mm-hmm. and to be able to effectively like clock in, clock out. Oh, yeah. And go in. Like, but if you don't have that, that's all you want. It's just like the grass is always greener. And Yeah. I definitely I,
2: schedules that. are so sick. And when I first went full time, I was just going live and then I'd stay alive until I'm tired and then I would go to bed. And I ended up having just a terrible schedule. Mm-hmm. And my life was just in shambles. Yeah. Because I just didn't have a time I had to show up. So I just showed up when I wanted and I stayed how long I wanted and it was was unhealthy. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of streamers uh, are unhealthy because they run that same, what
0: I was doing uh, before
2: I switched to like a more concrete
0: schedule. Yeah, Yeah, I'm afraid I would just never leave the office if if this was something that wasn't at my house. Yeah, but in that same logic, then you are never mentally leaving the office in your house. Correct. But at least I'm home. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. It's really hard for me to turn my mind off. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something I'm working on. Right. But yeah, it's hard when you're in the very focus hard, yeah. and just like you're in the moment. It, I'm always thinking about it. It's always in the back of my head. Especially if you're but.
2: able, cause like it's fine to think about work when you're not at work, but if you're able to act on it too, then it's like, well, why
0: don't I do it right now? Why don't I just go do this yeah. thing? Like, well, I always have a task. So like I'll make maybe five things that I have to do and my day doesn't end until those things are done. And so usually once I finish up, I'm good. Are you good at making sure the task list isn't too big? Or too small. Um, yeah, usually. Yeah, th- th- they will rarely ever be something that I put on that list I don't finish mm. like because I just got to get it done. So it'll get done. Are right. you
1: good at that? I'm terrible at that. Like, I'm always like, it's 8 a.m. I'm like, I'm right, do this, 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 this. And it's so much stuff. I can't get it all done. I'm
2: not really a task guy. I know there's things that I have to do. I just have things that if I do them, I will feel accomplished for the day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I got to work out. Uh, That will make me feel good. I got to um post at least one video or stream. And so it's like I just I do one business thing. So it's like if I do all three of those, I feel good. Yeah. And it, and it manifests in different ways. Like, what do you have to do for the rest of today? Today, I have to uh, make a thumbnail for one video. Okay. So I can upload that video right after my stream. I have to figure out what I'm going to stream, and then I got to stream it. Okay. And if I do those, then I feel good. And then I have to play at least two League of Legends games.
1: So you're streaming today?
0: Yeah. Final question. Cool. You said China would fail in 13 days. It hasn't. I didn't say 13 days. What did I say? It was uh, 31 days. (laughs) 31 days. 31 days. days. Well, that was meant... I don't want to say in... What, what, what do you call it? A lot like, of
1: the times what, what we do for our Tongue in cheek. Is, that, yeah. that you was quote other people's right. like, yes. ridiculous claims and you talk about said article within yes. the video. Right. So it's not necessarily Graham's quote saying that, although he didn't necessarily quotate it mm-hmm. or whatever. But
0: yeah, I think I put in the thumbnail 29 days, but that was in reference to... I think it was Cascade's Academy video, which is 31 days, and I posted like a few days after him. Yeah, I think their economy is in the crapper. I think uh-huh. there's a lot of things that they have to overcome. But I, an all-out collapse is 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 going to take a lot. People would have to completely lose faith in the system, and there's nothing stopping China from bearing it and just trying to find a way to, you know, snuff this out over here, print more money, ease policy. There's so many things that they could do to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. But long-term, it's not looking good. I think they have a lot of potential, though. I mean, if they really wanted to, like, you know, be competitive, they they have a lot of areas that I think they could improve and grow at the same time. And they could be a major competitor, but I think with their current policies, it's not going to happen. I feel like it's so
2: easy for them to switch it though. Cause it's an authoritarian regime yeah. that like, if it's not going well, they can see that and they can just do it. They can just change it. It's not like something they have to mm-hmm. uh, sway people on or convince companies. They just, they can control whatever they want to. Yeah. So they have that advantage. Uh, so I feel like they do spin it around.
0: Yeah. And I think they will continue to do that. Right. Right. But no, I don't think it'll collapse in three, three, exactly <laughs> right, three. Right. I actually don't know how he came up with that. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's just, you know, a title sort of deal. It's like, hey, it could be somewhere around here. Mm-hmm. If you put a time frame on something, people uh, are more likely to click it. For sure. There's like so, a sense of urgency. Yeah. So I'm guessing they're like, what's going to happen in 30, on that 31st day that's going to be different from the 30th day? <laughs> I think there's also like so, an
2: inherent nationalism, even for like finance, Bros or or like uh, business guys uh, to like be like okay China's failing yeah because like for ten years they hear that China's oh, gonna yeah. usurp America as the number one economy so any anything that's in contrast to that is like oh interesting
0: yeah I think a lot of people worried Ray Dalio came out with a perspective of the changing world order it's an incredible video it's like an hour long but it explains that the U S has been the reserve currency now uh, since the, I think it was like the nineteen forties or fifties is when it was officially announced. And no uh, currency has been the reserve for more than like 100 and something years. And so, th- according to him, there will be a point where maybe something else takes over. And so some people were speculating, oh, well, maybe it's Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. And, you know, his argument was that China is growing at such a fast pace that they could outpace the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they could... but then again you have to have trust in that currency and right now there's not that universal trust that they would need but I think a lot of people took an interest in that and also everything happening with Evergrande and the fact that it's something different and uh, you know I I think just in general China's been in the, the media quite a bit and so right. people take an interest in that. Yeah. It makes and so sense. when I post those videos too, it's interesting to see because 80% of my audience is U S based. When I post one of those videos, it's only 60% U S based. Hmm. Uh, so there's a lot bigger reach. And I think a lot more people outside of the U S that could watch that video, maybe learn something
2: from it. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Cause I guess it's like, especially if you're not American or in China, you
0: want to see like big world players, what's going on, yeah. feel in touch with those. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I try to make videos that I think people would want to see. So if people are either commenting on a certain topic or I see certain topics doing well, chances are that's a topic that people are interested in, in hearing about. For sure. And then uh, from there, I'm just happy to share my perspective.
2: Right.
1: I got one other question. You said as soon as you passed $1 million, and I'm assuming like what net worth, like liquid net worth? Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's when you finally calmed down and allowed yourself to add on to like, uh, more expenses and overhead and stuff like that. As soon as you hit that, cause I feel a similar philosophy. I, I, I didn't set mine at 1 million. I set mine between two and 4 million. It used to be four. Now it's kind of two. I'm kind of like inching down. Right. But as soon as you hit that, did you feel a great wave of relief or did it not really change anything? You feel the same?
2: No. Cause it, it doesn't for me manifest by the dollar amount. I don't really know where my finances are, uh, on a day to day basis, unless I like specifically look it up. I can tell how I'm doing financially by seeing how well I'm doing like professionally, whether it's like my viewership or with like my, my, like my video views and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, I think when I was starting to average like a quarter million, you know, views a video, Or when I reached like a million subscribers on YouTube, like those are the things Mm -hmm. that I'm more able to look at and be like, oh, okay, nice.
1: And this is a theory that I have, but as soon as you let go of this like financial constraint you put on yourself where you cared about it so much, did you actually see a positive ROI on that when you allowed yourself to take on more overhead and not worry so much about the financial consequences of every single business decision you make, maybe it spurred more creativity or something?
2: I think it's a little different for me. I think I have a dumb brain in the sense that I've always been, I've never been burdened financially or or felt stressed financially. Uh, I mean, part of that is we grew up middle-class and we were pretty comfortable. And then, uh, you know, we had like a, a decent amount of savings. We had like a life insurance policy. My dad died. So it's like, money money was not a, a big problem we like college was half paid for so I always had this mentality it's that was like yeah I'll make money whatever I do like I don't think I need to be rich or i will be rich but I'll always have enough money to to live life uh and it's always worked out and i always assumed everything would work out and and i think humans are way better at adjusting to the life that they lead than they realize and so it's like you know if i'm if i' If I'm at my poorest, which was when I first moved to Los Angeles, I immediately adjusted to that, and I was cool just eating, you know, peanut butter sandwiches from Trader Joe's. And then if I'm at my richest, I immediately adjusted to that, and I was like, "Oh, this is normal, and it is okay that I'm getting, you know, insane first class fights, and I and I think nothing of it." So it's like there's never a point where I had I'd thought about it, which I think is a part of just the privilege of having grown up middle class.
1: And do you think that that inner confidence or even like potentially could be considered naivety, worked in your favor? Or do you think it worked against you? Maybe like you got to like, I got to, the time is now, I got to grind, I got to do all this. Do you think that perspective would have helped you out more? Or do you think this confidence?
2: Yeah, I I think it helped a lot, but it also could be, what's the word? Survivors. uh, Oh, survivor survivor, bias. Yeah, survivorship bias. So it's like, uh, in my mind, yeah, like the idea that everything will always work out has helped me because it allowed me to throw myself going full time with less money in the bank account than I was comfortable with and hiring people before I knew if I could even afford the salaries and it's all worked out and the business has only grown every year uh, by like, you know, insane numbers. But that's also because it's grown and it succeeded. Like there's a world where it's failed and then I'm not in a podcast, but talking and kicking myself because I spent it all and I could have done better saving it. Uh, but I've never had to confront that because it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard for me to say if the naivety helped or if I just got lucky and now I don't have to worry about it.
0: All right. Is there anything else? That's great. you are good. Yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Thank you. Ugh.